Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is a pre recorded program presented by KSL News Radio and Intermountain Healthcare. Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. We discuss the important community issues of stronger mental health, emotional wellness, and the growing problem of addiction. Here's our host, Maria Chaleos, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Thank you for joining us for Healthy Mind Matters. Today we are talking about a campaign called You and Naloxone Saved My Life. With me, Dr. Jennifer Plum, the medical director for Utah Naloxone, and Megan West, who is the program manager at the Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health. And Dr. Plum, go ahead and describe for us what this campaign is all about. Well, naloxone, for anyone who may not know what it is, is an opioid overdose cure. Well, I don't know if cure is the right term, but it's essentially something that can save someone's life if they are having an opioid overdose. And this campaign is a way to kind of take a step forward for us. We have been advocating for people to have naloxone in their homes, to have it in their purses, to have it in their backpacks. And and now we've stepped forward to say, look what has happened because people were prepared. Look at the lives that have been saved. Giving kind of the community an idea of the different ways that may not be predictable ways in which people are stepping in and giving folks another chance and really making some tremendous tremendous differences in people's lives. Megan, let me hear your input on how we're doing. Are people learning more about naloxone or do we still have a long way to go? I think with the two programs, actually three programs, that our division has been lucky enough to be involved with and fund, Utah is doing an amazing job. Uh, We have Utah Naloxone, which Dr. Plum runs, and then We fund Department of Health. They have another program. So that's a second avenue to get naloxone and Narcan. And then we had one of our teams, our suicide prevention team, they integrated Narcan training and distribution last year into one of their uh, trainings that they were doing. So I think we are getting the word out and with the billboards that Utah Naloxone has had up for the last few years, it's increased the visibility to what it is and what it does and I think helped the conversation. And then our local authorities throughout the counties have access through the Department of Health and through Utah Naloxone. And then we've made sure that it's really available to access online and where to get it. And in addition to all of that, all the laws that changed over the last few years, you know, the Good Samaritan law. So I can call if I'm with someone who's overdosing, it takes down the barriers so people can get help. Um, We have lots of amazing services. If you are overdosing, you can go to some of the local hospitals and get started on medication if you're ready. So I think it's really opened up the treatment 
and taking down barriers for people to even start treatment because they have to be alive. And I love this new campaign that Utah Naloxone is doing because it shows the positive side of it. Right. Jen, we know that naloxone saves lives. We've known that for years. How do we measure what a difference the campaign or naloxone is making? Well, I think, you know, one of the great measures for me or the most effective measures, because it is kind of esoteric, right, to try to figure out exactly, you know, how much influence does it have, people knowing, being equipped. For me, first and foremost, we have recently just crossed over 4,000 reversals that have been reported to us at Utah Naloxone. So these are not doctors. These are not EMS providers. These are not the usual, um, what we would call first responders. These are the everyday first responders. So moms and dads and friends and uh, other people who use drugs and people who perhaps are seen as first responders, but it isn't their job to do medical things. So that's one way. Um, in the five years that Utah Naloxone's been in operation, that's 4,000 times someone has stepped in, a non-medical layperson has stepped in and saved a life. Um, I also think a really good indicator has been to watch what's happened with Utah's overdose death rates since our peak in 2014, when we were fourth highest in the nation. Fourth highest in the nation. Like, it's unbelievable to me that we ended up there. This is Utah. We have lower substance use rates. We have lower alcohol and tobacco consumption rates. We have higher prescribing numbers, but not highest in the nation. You know, we're probably above the mean, but there's no really good reason at all to explain why we ended up in the realm of states like Kentucky and West Virginia. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And so as we've gotten awareness campaigns, um, naloxone access laws, Good Samaritan laws, and gotten the conversation going, we've watched Utah drop from fourth in the nation to ninth in the nation to 17th in the nation to now, you know, data is a little slower coming in, but to now, from what I understand, around 21 or 22 in the nation. So, you know, we are keeping people alive, which gives them the chance to get to a recovery space or a healthier space, period. And uh, I know naloxone has played a big role in that, along with other contributors, but naloxone has played an enormous role in that. It has played a huge role because our overdoses haven't necessarily gone down, but the overdose deaths have dramatically decreased. So that shows naloxone is working, it's available. We would be, we'd have a lot more deaths without it. So it's something that we feel really strongly about having out there. Another interesting data point that we've kind of kept an eye on is the number of people ending up in ERs after an overdose. And, and in the beginning, we watched that metric and hoped it would go down, thinking that that would be an indicator that less people were at risk of overdose death. And what we realized with time going on was, oh no, actually it's okay if more people show up in the ER after an overdose, that means they lived. That means they lived long enough to get to an ER and get medical attention and perhaps get the next steps in care because if they don't end up in an ER, they end up in the office of the medical examiner at the morgue. So I, I think we have a lot of indicators that have continued to give us uh, kind of that oomph to keep going with educating and, and getting this really mainstream accepted. 
What yeah. makes this new campaign different? Oh, I think for me, the difference, you know, when you look at the first campaign we did, it was really about trying to open people's eyes and not introduce a fear factor, but introduce kind of a, ooh, I need to be very aware and somewhat afraid of the fact that people in my community are dying from our first campaign was heroin pills at all kills because heroin and pills are both opioids and both cause overdose the same way. And it really was a little bit more of a, let's open your eyes and let's get your attention. And this campaign has now gone on to be about the hope piece, to be about, look what happens when we give people another opportunity to to be alive. And all five of the stories that are up on this campaign are um, across the state in small communities, big communities. You'll see them in town, you'll see them on freeways, you'll see them all over. And all five of the stories represent a really, I think, uplifting and really reflective piece of what is happening out there. It's you know, a law enforcement officer, um, the story with Amy, who she has gone on to be a really formidable force in the addiction and recovery world. And she has not only had naloxone used on her, but she has used naloxone on others to save their lives. Um, we have a, a firefighter with Danny, who there's this great picture of her in the grocery store with her little babe on her back, both of them with these big old grins on. And it's this picture and, and story then on our website with her talking about being revived by EMS. And so it's these stories that kind of, I think, really humanize what is happening in our communities, but also, I hope, make people get rid of that stigmatized view that they've had, that it's, oh, blank kind of person that's at risk of an overdose. These are, these could be our sisters. These could be our friends. These could be our neighbors. They are our sisters, neighbors, and friends. And, you know, couple that then with the pictures of, of Sam, who is up there with Riley, uh, both of them just everyday humans of Utah. Thankfully, one being equipped with the naloxone and another needing the naloxone and not dying because of it, or a mom saving her son. This campaign is really about bringing hope and a reminder that these folks are so valued and I am so glad they're still here. And I love the part of the campaign where it mentions like for Danny's, she had to be revived four times, but she deserved to be revived four times. And it took that because I hate when people talk about the negative side that people who are addicted to drugs, they're not ready to be revived or live or, you know, that's so awful to talk about people that way. They should have every chance that we can possibly give them if it's 15 naloxone, you know? That's a really valid point because I hear that all the time. Well, how many times are is okay? Yeah. A state, a sheriff in another area where they were saying things like, well, people can only have three shots with naloxone before we're done. And it's just absolutely absurd and cruel. I mean, yeah. we don't say that with chemotherapy, that someone only gets three shots after their cancer relapses. We don't say that with heart disease, that, you know, you only get three shots at medications or potential intervention when you have complications there. We don't say it with diabetes. 
can only have three shots at, at having diabetic ketoacidosis. All of these are all medical conditions, just like addiction is, chronic and relapsing conditions. And the fact that people need more than one not mean they're any less deserving or it's any less worthy of a treatment. It is crucial. We say second chance, but I never want that to imply yeah. there's only a second chance. That means another chance and another chance and another chance and as many chances as it takes. We want to fund as many times as it takes. Keep people alive. Get them treatment. All right. We need to take a break. Today on Healthy Mind Matters, we are talking about you and Naloxone Save My Life campaign. And we are speaking with Dr. Jennifer Plum and Megan West, and we'll have more coming up in just a moment.